Digital Marketing Radio, episode 154. How to start, scale, and sell your digital agency. DigitalMarketingRadio.com I'm David Bain and this is Digital Marketing Radio. Weekly interviews with online marketing gurus. Catch up with all the latest resources and all the things mentioned in this episode at DigitalMarketingRadio.com The big interview with David Bain Now today I'm joined by a man who, after college went off to work for Arthur Anderson, but quickly realized that the big five consultancy life wasn't for him. So he pivoted and he started a digital agency. And that quickly grew to a multi-million dollar operation. And then after 12 years, he sold it. And now he's helping other digital agencies and owners to do the same. Welcome to DMR, Jason Swank. Hey, thanks for having me. I want to apologize. My voice is almost gone, so I really don't sound like Darth Vader all the time. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be a very interesting discussion. Hopefully you still actually. And for those of us um, who are listening on audio, uh, he just pulls a Darth Vader mask just in front of him. As well. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess I'm going to do sign language, so hopefully uh, everybody's watching the video, right? Maybe if um, if Jason dies out of the, of the audio, then you have to come to the video on the website after. There you go. Well, so. That's a good hook, right? <laughs> so you can find Jason over at jasonswank.com, and that's S-W-E-N-K. So, Jason, why did you decide actually to start a digital agency to begin with? So it was all by accident. I uh, actually owe everything to Justin Timberlake. And even though I don't owe know Justin Timberlake personally, one of my best friends looked just like Justin. And so I created a website called In Shit, and it got really popular in the 90s. And so then people started asking me to design websites for them. And so that's how I got started. Just owe oh, oh, to Justin Timberlake. There you I go. don't think I've ever heard that one before. No, no one, no one has. <laughs> <laughs> so um, do you see people then, you know, you've obviously come through the whole experience of um, starting and running a very successful dig- digital agency. Um, I guess you see people making lots of mistakes with their own agencies in terms of actually just getting started. What would you say are some of the more common mistakes that you see people making? You know, they're just being a Me Too agency and they're copying what everybody else is doing and they're not being unique and they keep going after everybody and they're not being specialists and figuring out what can they do better than anybody else. And and a lot of too, what I also found is a lot of agencies that start, kind of like me, they start by accident. We knew how to do something cool, right? Mm. And then people are like, well, I'll pay you for this. And then they don't have this clarity of where they want to take it, right? And if you don't know where you want to take it, you're just going to be floundering around for a while. It certainly sounds like nowadays there are many more digital agencies than there used to be, or certainly I'm sure than when you actually got started. Um, Do you think that you could afford to be more of a generalist when you got started and that um, the rules have completely changed nowadays and nowadays it's impossible or very, very difficult to be a success unless you're focusing very niche in a niche target market and possibly a niche location as well. Yeah, you need to have a, a niche. Um, if you're a generalist, it's going to be very, very hard. I mean, when I started in 99, you know, there wasn't many digital agencies, right? Mm. And, you know, people didn't even know what a website was. <laughs> I mean, literally, I went through the phone book. And I was like, hey, you don't have a website address. And I sold websites that way for like $500. And, you know, I was just lucky that the bigger clients started calling afterwards. Um, but, you know, and we 
And for a couple of years, I just floundered around and our kind of revenue kind of flatlined because we were a generalist and there was more and more agencies joining the mix. So then what we did is we pivoted a little bit and said, all right, we, a lot of the audience that we want to go after is using different platforms. So we're going to be a specialist for Sitefinity and SharePoint. And so we became the best in the world at those. And so by doing that, that's how we attracted like LegalZoom and Atachi and AT&T and all these big brands because we became the best in the world at something. Okay. And by being a niche agency, by being a specialist agency, are you talking about um, the technology that you use or the industry that you're in? Does it really matter actually as long as if you're very, very specialist at one thing? It could be both. And the, the best thing to do is have the intersection of your vertical, which is your industry, and your horizontal, which is your particular technology. But you have to have one because in order to know when you fully go down deep enough for your niche, you have to know their biggest desire or their biggest challenge. And then you can communicate with them and you can attract these people because a lot of times agencies, they just start going like I was talking to a client earlier today that just started with me. They were like, Jason, I don't know who to contact. I'm having this bad time of outbound sales. I was like, well, who's your top 100 list that you want to go after? I don't know. Well, how the hell are you going to call someone and sell someone something if you don't know who your target is or vice versa? How are you going to attract them and write relevant content for that particular audience if you're trying to write for everybody. So you have okay. to have a niche. And obviously Sitefinity is a ASP.net CMS. Uh, many sites nowadays are using WordPress. Mm-hmm. I, I guess WordPress is not a narrow enough niche no, by itself. Not anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> and w- when I'm glad I sold the agency when we did because Sitefinity is not what they used to be, <laughs> right? Um, so not many of the big brands use them anymore, but Mm. that's kind of why we started pivoting to SharePoint with Microsoft, but not many big brands are using them either. So it's kind Mm. of, you always going to be innovative and seeing what's next. And you have to kind of see, like ride that train before it gets big, right? So there's a lot of agencies that just say they're HubSpot agencies. Well, that's still too broad because everybody says they're HubSpot agency. So you mentioned define your top 100 target prospects. What happens if um, you get in contact with your top 100 prospects and they don't want to do business with you or the majority don't? Do you still keep them in mind and actually phone them back every few months and just try and keep on focusing on them? Or then do you you actually build another list of potential clients? Well, when you're building your 100, you have to figure out who can I actually help. And yes, there's always like... Out of 100% of the people out there, there's going to be 30% of the people that will never, ever do work with you. But that still leaves 70% of them, right? So 70% of that list, you still can help. It just may not be the right time. You may not have communicated your message right. Or, you know, they just, you didn't do it right. <laughs> and you just- so so, so how, how, how do you find out which one it is? Do you actually ask them or do you say to them, when's the best time to call, call back? Or how do you find out? Where are you filled, basically? Well, well, it comes down to, like, let's say you create the top 100 and you call and they say, I'm not interested. Well, it might be your approach. Or they may not just be open to change. Or they may have a complete idiot <laughs> running the person that you're calling. I mean, so there's so many different factors. I would not let you, 
I would not get discouraged by people saying no. People are going to say no a thousand times, but you have to call and be different than everybody else. It's like, you're not going to call someone and say, Hey, um, I run a digital agency. I'd like to do your marketing or, uh, I'd like to take you out to lunch and see how you can spend my money. Right. You have to call mm. them up and be unique. You know, I interviewed, um, a gentleman on, uh, on my podcast. I think it's uh, episode four. So if you go to my website slash four, I interviewed Del Ross and he works for international hotel group. And I basically said, how can smaller agencies get into big brands if they want to? And he says, you basically have to call me up and offer me something that I did not know for free. Now I'm not ch- talking about doing free, um, free work. I'm just saying, hey, Dell, this is Jason. I do a lot of work in the hospitality industry. And I was wondering if you started messing out, messing around with the Facebook Power Editor. It's amazing for what you can do with retargeting. And he's going to say no or yes. And then you say, hey, I'd love five minutes to tell you about it. And he said, we had about, I think, fifty to 80000 in play money that we would use to experiment with different agencies in order to get into the, you know, the bigger contracts. So offer them something of value. So that's um, kind of building an agency or actually starting an agency to a certain degree. But in terms of actually maybe an agency that's two or three years old, do you find that a lot of agencies just get to a certain size and then stagnate and don't know what to do to actually increase in size? Yeah, exactly. So they've basically, they're either not charging enough because they get too busy and they, and they can't focus on their own agency right? And they're just trying to put out fires, which if that happens, you're not charging enough. That's the telltale sign. If you say you're too busy to do your own shit, um, you're not, you're not charging enough. And so you need to do that. And it's not, most of the thing that's holding the agency back is the agency owner because they don't believe that they're the right CEO. And I went through this for a long time. I was like, dude, I just need to bring in a CEO and run this because I mean, literally, when I started my agency, David, I didn't even know what an invoice was. My first client asked me to send an invoice. I had to ask my dad, <laughs> which was pathetic, <laughs> right? And there was no Google. Google wasn't around yet. So I was yeah. screwed. Alta Vista, maybe. Alta Vista, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. And Yahoo was there, right? Mm. But, and I was using Overture. <laughs> That's how far back <laughs> it was. Um, so it's, it's your, like you're thinking going, I can I can't get over five hundred thousand, or I can't get over a million, and you think it's too big, but it's about the systems. And so, what you need to start doing is getting laser focused on what does that look like, getting that clarity going back, having that specialization going back to the niche, and then just attacking the market. And so, if you know who you're going to target with that top one hundred, then you know what kind of content that they need, right? And so, you want to okay. start putting out and flooding the market with content. One person doing it really well, other than me, right, is Gary Vanderchuk. Everybody should know him, right? He runs yeah. Vander Media. I mean, yeah. he's just creating content after content and, and doing content over it and slicing it up every which way. And so he's attracting a lot of different audience. And so you need to do that. And then you need to hire the right people and have the right structure in place, you know, for scaling your team. Uh, and just know where you want to go. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And take action. Here's the other thing that people don't do is they just keep freaking complaining. And they say, oh, I'm too busy. I don't know what to do. And they're like, yeah, I should create a lead generation system. Or I should do a workshop. Or I should do referrals or whatever it is. 
and they don't take action. And, uh, you know, that's the biggest thing. I always say action leads to transactions, right? Yeah. And talking about transactions, you did also say that um, a lot of agencies who stagnate a bit make the mistake of not charging enough. But how do you actually ask existing clients to pay perhaps a lot more money? Is, is that easy to do? Perhaps if they've been paying you the same amount maybe for the last two or three years or so? Very hard. Or Very hard to do. Yeah, so, so, um, so you're going to gradually filter them out and actually focus on building it. new business. In, Your yeah. client upgrading, that's what you call it. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's, you know, and you got to make sure you're charging enough and you got to be selling on value, not price. At the end of the day, it's not about the price. It's about urgency, right? If you were about to have a heart attack, and uh, the doctor said, I could save your life or you can die. Are you going to ask him how much it costs? Right? You're not. So it's about um, creating that urgency and demonstrating the value. And, you know, I get questions like this in my Facebook groups and clients always ask me, well, how do I raise my prices? If you're demonstrating enough results and value to your clients and you raise your prices and they know, you know, how much value you're delivering, there's no problem. But here's the problem. Most agencies cannot prove the results that they're delivering. They just can't. They're like, I don't know. And, and then you're, you don't know what you need to charge. And that's a real problem. And did you start your agency with a view to possibly selling it? I did. In the very beginning, I did. Now, when I started in 99, there, this was the dot-com era, right? There was companies just mm. starting up and selling for stupid money. And so I was like, I'm going to do that, right? Because I hated working for Arthur Anderson and the man. I just couldn't do it. I was a broken employee. And then the, you know, the dot bomb came, right? And a lot of the big competitors went out of business. And we started getting bigger clients because we hardly have any overhead. And I loved what we were doing. So I was like, cool, I'm going to do this. What else am I good at? I'm not going to do anything else. And so we just kept doing that and kept growing it and just created a really nice business that kept scaling and growing. And it was a lifestyle business too, but it was really extremely profitable. And then um, when we started hitting major scale, then we started attracting other people that wanted to you know, give us a big check. So we're like, okay, cool. And if someone either is thinking of starting an agency or has an agency, what are a couple of the things that they need to do in order to structure their business to sell as opposed to actually just have it as a lifestyle business? So it all comes down to the contracts. Whenever an agency or a service-based business gets bought, they're going to be, most of the time, if you're under 10 million, and this is the majority of people, right? Um, you're going to be bought as an asset purchase, meaning they're going to buy your contracts. Now, if we were an asset purchase, and in my contracts, I did not have a clause where I could transfer this without written note or without their permission. I would have had to call all my clients and said, hey, we're about to get purchased. Can you sign this form so we can sell you? And then if they said no, that acquirer could have said, oh, no. And then you've already showed your hand to your clients and they're going to be looking elsewhere. Right? It's also too, you want in your contracts, you want to have a long-term contract with your uh, clients. You don't want to have month to month, right? <laughs> All these mm. agencies are doing these car payments that people can cancel at any time. Why? And by by long term, do you mean 12 months or 12 longer? 12 months, than that? 24 months, at least 12 months with mm. no out clause. Okay. And how you do this is you have to sell in the right order. 
It's kind of like a phone number. If I gave you all the digits to reach me and you didn't have it in the right order, you're never going to know you have too many combinations. And so the order that we would sell in is, is we would sell something, what I call a foot in the door offer rather than pitching marriage right off the bat. So mm. we would sell like an audit, a discovery, and we'd put everybody through it. Right. And then from that discovery, we would identify the major issues that that client's having. And we would say, Hey, um, this is kind of a strategy that we can go do for you. Would you like us to do this? And so we'd position a project like a three, four month project. And then while we're in the project and we're providing the value, demonstrating value, they're getting results back, then we'll position the long-term retainer. And no one has trouble with that. And you could charge more for that retainer than coming right out of the gate and saying it's $10,000 a month to work with me. Well, coming up, we're going to be learning about the one piece of software that Jason couldn't live without. But first of all, dear listener, have you been listening to my brand new podcast yet? You'll find it over at castingcred.com. Casting Cred is a show that helps entrepreneurs, leaders, coaches, trainers, and marketers to become the go-to authority in their niche, harnessing the power of podcasting and live online broadcasting. So if that sounds like it's for you, castingcred.com is where you need to be. But let's segue into the second section of our discussion. So that focuses more on Jason's thoughts on where digital marketing has been and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So Jason, what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? It would be Infusionsoft, my marketing automation, CRM, and e-commerce tool. It would kill me. And have you, have you been using that for quite a while? I've been using it for almost two years. Okay, okay. Was it difficult to set up or not too challenging? Um, when you don't have someone helping you, yes, it can be very difficult. Um, <laughs> but uh, but if you... But worthwhile. It's, it's definitely worthwhile, yeah. Okay, well, here's a slightly more challenging question. What piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you intend to try at some point in the near future? I guess it would be Blab, <laughs> right? <laughs> We were struggling with that earlier on, dear listener. I've done quite a few podcast episodes on this, but for some reason I wasn't hearing you earlier on. That uh, is an interesting tool, certainly. Have you done um, much periscoping um, as opposed to Blab? Yeah, so I used to do Periscope, um, but now I've switched to Facebook Live. Okay, okay. And are you finding it to be encouraging more people actually watching you? Um, as opposed to to Periscope. What are the benefits of Facebook Live over Periscope? Well, I think that's where all the audience is going. I think Facebook Live's a killer for Periscope, unless they make some major changes. Uh, you know, Twitter's just hurting, right? Um, mm. And the thing I like about Facebook Live is, is all my audience is really on Facebook, right? And so they're mm. ranking those live videos so much higher. And it's saved to my Facebook profile. So I can build this great library and so, um, and people like you can scroll through the comments, like I haven't used Periscope in a while, so they may have made some adjustments, but I remember where I get on Periscope, I have a bunch of people asking questions, but the questions would go away so quick. I couldn't go mm. back through it. And then I couldn't respond to them later on where Facebook live lets me do this. I think the only thing that's putting me off a platform like Facebook live is that, um, I like interacting. I like having discussions with people. And I don't know if I'm about broadcasting one to many. So the way I see it is I reckon that Facebook Live will 
enhance what they do to offer a bit of a, a, a multiple to multiple people way communication as opposed to just one to many. And I think that once they start to do that, I'm going to hop on there. So you can, you can do that now, but you have to use like con, uh, conversion, uh, convert flow or, or conversion cast or wirecast go. That's what it is. Oh, Wirecast, yeah, yeah. Or you can use, um, yeah, um, you could use probably Open Broadcaster software yeah. so, as well. And so you can actually like that, yeah. record stuff on Blab and broadcast that to Facebook Live. I might look into that more, certainly. I'm, I'm hoping that it will happen natively, and I'm reckoning, reckoning that when it does, that um, Facebook Live will explode even more. But live streaming, it, it has been incredible over the past year. I'm so looking forward to seeing how it's going to evolve because it's certainly the place to yep, be. exactly. I wish I would have. I'd like you to look back in the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online now. So what didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? I didn't define my audience in the very beginning. I was going after anybody that would pay me a check. And do you think the the advice to actually define your audience very, very uh, succinctly is... uh, the kind of advice that someone just starting out and looking for as much money as possible is likely to be willing to take? Well, I think when you first start out, you don't know what you don't want, right? So you need to try multiple things out. But I mean, literally, I I was going after everybody for five years. I should have figured that out a hell of a lot quicker. And how did you figure it out? Did you learn off someone else or did you actually just um, learn through your own mistakes? I, I looked at it as which projects and clients that I love working with. Which ones were profitable and which ones did we have the most knowledge for? And then that defined our audience that we needed to go after. Okay. And nice. by pushing by by kind of defining it and pushing people away, you actually attract more. Because by all your actions, you end up telling people either overtly or just subtly through your actions, you know, this is who, what I do is relevant for, and this is who it isn't relevant for. Exactly. And then those people hear, oh, Jason, you work with digital agency owners that are struggling with cash flow and relying on referral that want lead generation. Dude, that's me. (laughs) Right. Mm. And then they're like, there's no one else. I mean, you're eliminating your competition. And I love that I'm getting my voice back. <laughs> yes, but, yeah, it's improving as we're carrying on, isn't it? Exactly, we should carry on for the next two hours, yeah. No. I know, I guess. Um, but like I tell people, I don't have competition. My only competition is cat videos and procrastination. Okay, well, let's move on to... The this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions here, just two rules. Try not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. So ready to go? Okay. Email or Twitter? Email. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Display. Facebook or Google Plus? <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> I've got to stop, stop asking that one. Yeah, but 154 episodes Who's I've done. Who's going to say so, Google Plus? Uh, yeah. Well, I think one or two have done, but a long time ago. Now. They should be shot. <laughs> Online press releases or one-on-one relations? <laughs> one-on-one. Paid search or SEO? Paid search. Email contact form or telephone number? Email. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email. And local marketing or global marketing? Local. I didn't say both on anything, right? You didn't. None were a struggle at all there. Um, I think you went paid search over SEO, didn't you? Oh, yeah, all the time. 
all the time. And is that because you Facebook? don't control? You don't control SEO. Okay, okay. Is that any particular form of paid advertising though? Uh, the best paid advertising is Facebook, but hands down, right now it's the number one thing to do. And is is that um, advertising in people's news feeds? Yes, only on the yeah. news feeds. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's certainly something that a lot of people are saying, and uh, many people are obviously having a, a lot of success with. Yeah. But I mean, I love SEO. I probably should have said both on that. But you know, here's the problem with you know SEO is it takes a while, right? And mm. and, and they could change their algorithm, kind of like what they did with Mobile Getting. And it crushes you. But with paid, you can get it up right away. And you don't ever have a traffic problem if you know who you're targeting and you can pay for the traffic. And you just go to the traffic store and that traffic store is called Facebook. I guess, I guess SEO is the icing on the cake. It, it, it is. It can't, it can't be your business, but yeah. you, you structure your website in a manner to make it as efficient as possible for search engines to understand. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a crossroad to it, right? It's kind mm. of like what I always told people is is you know, pay for the pay-per-click and then you're going to start scaling down the pay-per-click over time. And then there's going to be a time where the SEO matches up with it. And that's kind of the perfect crossroads. And then you start looking for other channels as well. The $10,000 question. So if I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, would it be Facebook advertising or would it be something else? It would be Facebook. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Simple answer there. That's probably not worthwhile going into yeah, it, much it, more. Do you, do, do you do retargeting for Facebook as well? Oh yeah. I mean, that's, you know, they're, they're retargeting that they have based on like, if they've watched how, how long they've watched your video, how long they've been on your website, what pages they've gone to. I mean, it's unbelievable. My number one takeaway. Well, Jason, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what would you say is the number one takeaway? What's the Single most important step that our listeners need to just take away and implement within what they're doing. Action. It's one word. Take action. Uh, that's it. I mean, so many of us just, they, they listen to podcasts, they read books, they go to courses, but they never take action. They're just like, oh, I should have done that. And, um, you know, the, the thing that separates everybody is just taking action, not being afraid to fail and um, learning from their failures and just execute. Great advice. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time and, of course, your advice. What's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? Yeah, you know, the best thing is to go to my website, jasonswank.com, and uh, you'll see all the resources there from the two weekly shows that I do, both on YouTube and iTunes. So check that out and uh, reach out to me and let me know what you thought of my voice coming back over time <laughs> if you've made it this far. Absolutely. I'm sure the vast majority would have done as well. So yeah, um, thanks so much. And of course, I'll include the um, the links to everything that you've mentioned. And of course, your own website and the show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com. So thanks to Jason and thanks to your listener too. So if you enjoyed what Jason shared today, here's how you can help. Go and get your friend's iPhone, go to the podcast app and search for Digital Marketing Radio. Click on the show and hit the subscribe button and make them listen too. Finally, I'm also hosting another live show every Friday called This Week in Organic. So head over to thisweekinorganic.com to find out more about that. But that's over now. Until we meet again, adios and um, thanks again, Jason. Great episode.